Welcome to the COSEC Show. Join the COSEC Qatari Securities team as they share their insights on the Australian share market, discussing some of their best performing companies, macroeconomic news from offshore, including local domestic news, foreign exchange, as well as commodities. If you have any questions regarding the share market, our phone lines are open. You can dial in on 1300 854 151 or alternatively, email info at cosec.com.au. Exclusively on this show, each guest will reveal their hottest stock pick. For more information on any of the topics discussed, go to cosec.com.au. The information featured in this program is general in nature and does not take into account your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. Guests appearing on the program may own or have commercial arrangements with some of the companies mentioned. Before making any investment insurance or financial planning decisions, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you. Merry Christmas, investors. My name is Will Brownlee, and welcome to the COSEX Show, where we discuss all things relevant to the market this week. Macroeconomic data, currencies and commodities, top performance of the week, the wards, and of course, our hottest stock picks for the week to come. It is our very special Christmas special, the day before. It's what the eve of the eve of Christmas and as joining me as always is our representative from the investment panel, Mr. By the Dip Down. How high can it go, Howie? Mr. Dan Howie, how are you today? Good, sir. I am very well, thank you. Well, it's a beautiful day here in Sydney. And Absolutely, it is very close to that festive period. Absolutely. So, no so with the day before, the day before Christmas, so that's good to see you're wearing a red tie. I'm wearing a Christmassy type tie. That was coincidence. I was going to say I was going to wear a Santa hat, but I just I was thinking about that too. But I couldn't didn't come find through. One. But we've done well without yeah. coordinating. We both worn a red tie, you know, rather yeah. festive. So we've done well at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about something else that's been in the red this week, and that is, of course, the markets. That things have been pretty interesting overseas. We've had some up days and down days, and I think a lot of bit, yes. a lot of uh, a lot of people may have gotten trapped into the whole idea that this is going to be a rally. But um, talk us through what's sort of happening over in the US right now. Yeah, so another volatile week in US markets. We were up, we were down, bit all over the shop. And it's all related to the data that's been released this week. We're still getting very, very mixed signals from the economic data being released. Now, I guess when we look at the data at face value, some of it does seem quite positive. But it's it's really, at this point in time, looking at the data and analysing it in comparison to where the economy should be heading based on the fact that we've seen quite heavy monetary tightening this year. So we've seen a few things released this week, which has really pushed and pulled on markets. A big thing in the US was their GDP figures, which came out on Wednesday. Now... The third estimate of GDP is now 3.2%, and the advanced estimate was 29 So that's above expectations, which I guess you look at the economy expanding, you think quite positive. But this was quite a big red day over in the US because we did see that, I guess, the economy shouldn't really be expanding if that monetary tightening is taking effect and bringing inflation back into that band, which they wanted in 2 to 3%. So on face value, it's quite a positive figure. Um, but again... It's um, something that we probably don't really want at this point in time, just based on the fact we want the economy to be back in equilibrium to bring down inflation, which is really the big talking point on everyone's lips, still at the end of the year. So that was one thing. Another thing is consumer confidence actually rose to the highest mm-hmm. level in eight months, which was quite positive over in the US. And inflation expectations have dipped to the lowest level in more than a year. They believe that next year it could dip to 6.7%, uh, which is the estimates up until this point of this year have been a fair bit higher. So a fair bit of data, still some indicators coming out of the labour market, highlighting it's still quite tight as well. So lots of different pieces of news this week that have been, I guess, positive and negative. But with regards to the way it's looking at the impact on the economy, where the economy should be heading to bring that inflation figure down, I think it has still seen more, more downward pressure than upward momentum in the markets this week. 
Very good. And uh, just talk about something else that was a pretty big sort of, I suppose, movement throughout the week on sort of Thursday or Wednesday. Uh, the BOJ, which is the Bank of Japan, Correct. had an announcement and everything just suddenly got hyper, hyper volatile. Talk to us about what happened. Yes, what happened this was a big thing from the Bank of Japan. They've been one of the central banks around the globe that have been the most stagnant in, with regards to, I guess, their movements in recent years. Their inflation, actually, I saw just before we came in here, about 20 minutes ago, I read, is now at a, the highest level since 1981. But it's still only three point seven percent in Japan. So, so inflation for this only th- right. Wow, three percent. But then their interest rates are still negative. So people are going to misconstrue this when we look at Bank of Japan announcements. There's no central bank movement in regards to increasing their cash rate. They're still at negative zero point one percent. But what they had in place was they had bond yield control. So essentially, what they had on their ten year yield is they were not allowing ten year bonds to yield more than twenty five basis points. Oh, wow. Okay. So zero point two five percent. And what they did, all they've done is increase that control to 50 basis points. So now you can get 50 basis points, half a percent yield on a 10-year bond. Oh, and that's that's all the that's change. Nothing. So it's it's the... But inflation is 3%. So. What it's showing, though, is the first signal that the Bank of Japan could start to make movements into their very, very loose monetary policy. This could be the first step into what is sort of changing their monetary policy. And that's why there's been such sharp reactions around the globe from markets. Uh, you saw foreign exchange, big, big swings, uh, some... Uh, the precious metals as well, big swings. And I think it's um, something that the, the, the investors are starting to get signals from the BOJ that maybe it is time to start to sort of, uh, yeah, maybe actually increase interest rates a little bit. As I said, 3.7%. It's not high inflation, but it is the highest level they've had in a very, very long time over in Japan. So maybe this is what we're going to see early in the new year from the BOJ, some movements um, into monetary tightening. Um, but at this point in time, just the first reaction to Pretty basic move, but the first move in a while from Bank of Japan. Very good. Now let's uh, let's discuss what that happened to the chart. Let, let's bring up maybe we've got a chart of the uh, of the S and P five hundred or something. Have we, got, have we got that? Yep. So you can see there uh, again slightly down for the week. Not a huge negative week. It sort of doesn't look very good, does it? No, and that's what I mean. Like I think if you look at where it's trading at the moment, it doesn't look like a positive trend is forming. I think the, mo- the most positive thing is the most recent session. We did see about three quarters of a percent of buying pressure late in the session. Is quite. Uh, not not the worst looking candlestick in the sense we saw a lot of late buying overnight. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you and I were in the office and you saw the acceleration into the close was quite positive. Um, but yeah, at the moment, the trend doesn't look overly positive. I think um, something that's always interesting to talk about is Jim Cramer. Everyone talks about the inverse Cramer. He's got the, what is the inverse? Tell us what the inverse, so tell us who this Jim Cramer bloke is. So Jim is. Cramer is someone that works for the US Stock Exchange. He, he does mad money, right? Mad, he's, mad he's, money. he's very he's out there. He's like, he's he talk, mad money. Talks about the stock market, talks about things he likes, things he doesn't like. And there's a thing called the inverse Kramer index, which essentially when he says he likes something or likes a position, this this uh, index will take the opposite of that. And it's up about 20% for the year. So, so this guy's picked some stocks that he thought was going to go up and they've gone down. So and someone's caught on to this and they've now started inverse. an, an and inverse. And the, funny, the funniest thing was he, he tweeted four days ago, the 19th of December, he said, still a chance of a Christmas rally, good buying opportunity. So, I mean, a couple of his picks this year, what he picked NVIDIA at over 300 bucks, it's now down 60%. He picked Meta. Meta's now down over 55%. Uh, he likes Tesla. Um, he's, he's picked a few interesting ones this year. I mean, it's not been easy. I don't think he always liked Tesla. I remember way back, I think it was 2014. He's been on there forever. He's been on Definitely Mad Money for ages. Non-stop. And I remember way back in like 2014 or something saying that you shouldn't, you shouldn't hold Tesla stock or something along those lines. But, he was but like, then no one did. No one, everyone thought Tesla was going to be a big... Yeah. yeah, I think the thing with him is, it, he, I think he said he liked Nvidia. I think it was Nvidia might have been three twenty. He said I like it. it's coming down. He's like still like it's a winner. Buy more, buy more, buy more. Cracks two hundred. It's below. He's like it's a loser. 
<laughs> he's telling people to average in the way down, and then he's like, no. Always the way, always the way. Hey, listen, let's go on to our next one. Let's go for a more local market, because relatively data light, shall we say, over, over the week. Not that much data, but lots of plague on a low volatility of what's happening over in the US. We had a massive day, I think, on Thursday. We've had a pretty shoddy day today. Um, what, care to enlighten us? Maybe we'll bring a chart up. Yeah, we'll that. bring up the chart because it really highlights the week. Again, a lot of volatility, lots of ups and downs. doesn't look great, but it certainly looks a lot better. Than we're, we're actually almost dead flat for the week. We are very, very close to dead flat. So swings up, swings down. Uh, as you said, today slightly down. The last two days have been rather positive. But, um, yeah, I, I think at the moment not a, a pretty lacklustre week for us. We are sitting in a better area at the moment. There is still much more downside support. You can see today... I mean, the, the, key, the key point of that chart now is the wicks on the bottom of the candle today uh, hit that 50-day moving average perfectly and bounce back up. So there's support there. There's still the 200-day moving average is just below that as well and some previous highs we can bounce off in the region. So I think there's a lot of downside support for our market. Um, but I think, yeah, we could see... I think that the next week or so, we won't see a huge amount of movement. But I think, um, yeah, it's just going to be pretty flat into the new year, I think. We're going to see a pretty lackluster week next week. Trading volumes are already down quite a bit this week. So I think... Um, That'll be something interesting to look at next week, but I think yeah, not a huge amount of movement towards. We'll just stay. We'll just stay on the chart, a chart for a bit here. Just it's just having a look at what we've sort of got there with that. Are those Fibonacci levels any significance? Do you think that we're going to have a push off there, or is that just the levels that you think we're going to? No, I think so. If you take from the low where we started to rally from, maybe three months ago, we moved up. We are using Fibonacci very nicely, even today where that it's it's almost uncanny how they line up with other areas it's quite interesting um i was looking at a very long time frame of what happened in the in the in the market from way back an all time all length time frame way back in 2008 classic perfect dead cat bounce went down for four or five months then rebounded back up very slightly above the 200 day moving average and then just got sh- just sold back down so quickly um, yeah, that's why I find it very interesting when people say, I don't believe in Fibonacci, I don't believe in technicals. Like, What is Fibonacci for the people that aren't aware? Well, you're the one that's done the video. You should, maybe you give us a better <laughs> explanation. Well, obviously Fibonacci. Fibonacci is the old, old sort of number sequences where there's... What's his, do you remember the guy's name? It's... Uh, Fibonacci. Yeah, what's it? Yeah. Something Fibonacci, yeah. yeah and yeah. and, and is the, guy, the guy sitting on the... And I, I know in the CFA exams, it's one of the only sort of things they talk about when it comes to technical analysis. So, And it, it's amazing how quickly it lines up. To yeah, it, it, yeah, it does. Uh, it's a very interesting thing to learn about. I remember I did, when I started trading and learning market and stuff you know, a long time ago now, it was a very interesting thing to learn about. But it's interesting to look at you know, people that don't believe in that or people that don't believe in technicals. You look at how not just stocks, especially indexes trade with regards to those levels, with regards to the moving averages... Like, it's almost perfect the way they line up and bounce, especially off previous high levels and moving averages, all that sort of jazz. Like, it's um, sort of pretty hard. It's not like, I think the technical side of things is not be all and end all, but there's definitely some sort of merit to the fact that they are respect levels. Because people do a lot of trading of indexes, don't they? I know they do a lot of leverage positions. On, le- on, on an index, most stocks, you can leverage 10 to 1. Most commodities, 50 maybe to 100 to 1 or 150 to 1. But I do know there's indices or indexes that you can leverage 300 to 1. 300 to 1, yeah. So, so just because the movement's a little bit more controlled. Um, but yeah, it's, it is something people trade. And I think the technical side of things is much easier to trade an index than a lot of other things because those technical levels on an index 
are almost respected perfectly with regards to the way the trends form and price action moves. Very good. Great analysis. As always, Mr. By the Dip Dan, how high can it go, Howie? Mr. Dan Howie, thank you for your commentary. As always, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a short break. If you have a question for our panel, please feel free to take a video. Email it through to us at info at cosec.com.au. Alternatively, dial 1300 854 Wish us a very Merry Christmas. Now, everyone that does, receive a copy of our book, Stock Market Success, Retailing in Dimex, $39.95. That's you for your Christmas gift if you call in at the moment or send us an email. In the meantime, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back shortly with your currency and commodity overview. How do you get the highest returns in the stock market on a consistent basis? Obsessed with this idea, Michael Kadari forms COSEC, Kadari Securities. He seeks, in his own words, a revolutionary investment strategy based on better information and knowledge. Wealth begins with better knowledge, becomes his motto. He seeks to identify and accurately pick the next top performing stocks on the ASX. He seeks for consistency. Michael Kadari creates a unique stock market filtering system he names Lotus Bloom, named after a flower that blooms just once. Because in investing, timing is everything. See how accurate COSEC stock picks are. Get a free seven-day access to Lotus Blue today. If you want the COSEC investment edge, you know what you have to do. Call COSEC now or visit cosec.com.au and take advantage of the insights he reserves for his clients. Welcome back. Let's talk currencies and commodities now. All things that shine, sparkle, fold, make the world go round. Right over to Mr. By the Dip, Dan. How high can you go, Howie? Mr. Dan Howie, give us your analysis on what gold's doing. Yeah, so again, very similar to our local market, the ASX 300 this week. Gold is almost dead flat for the week, but it is not the fact that it's moving. We did not have a very good day last night on the old gold. No, it was down, about, I think, about one and a quarter percent last night. Mm -hmm. I think uh, it's been big swings and roundabouts this week for gold. I think um, if I quickly pull up a chart of sure. gold here, you can see ups and downs. But again, we're literally very similar to the index, almost dead flat for the week. We had um, yeah, swings up, swings down. I think if you were a bullish, if you were an optimistic person, I mean, if you're a realist, you'd say that looks like it's got more upside than downside. Does look There's been good. a lot of really good news coming out around gold. Exactly. And the main catalyst this week, again, BOJ was a big one. We saw a big spike in gold off that. And the economic data we discussed earlier coming out of the US is always going to have an impact. But you also had two weeks ago, you had Goldman Sachs come out and say that gold was going to outperform Bitcoin next year. Then you had... La earlier this week, you had ANZ's economist come out and say 1900 was the price well, target. Did you hear before we came in here? Yes, who was that? Speaking to one of our research analysts, I didn't get the name, but someone literally half an hour ago on the telly is saying on CNBC 4000. That's just, uh, that just sounds. 4, we're not even at 1800, we're at 1785. What's the high for 2500 is the height for gold? 2 2, I think. Two so you're looking at almost doubling what the high it's is? It's about 150% from where we're at now. That's Which insane. for gold is ridiculous. Yeah. So for, it's. Uh, it was a Chinese company, Chinese fund manager, yeah. is saying 4000 for gold. By the end I of this year. get that. And I, I'm like, okay, that's going to be cool. But I think at that stage, surely gold miners would just have so much capital to, to work. I mean, well, look at their margins with? now at 1700 Like it did hit 2000 briefly yeah. before. But like, look at their margins on an average period for like half yearly period when they average it out compared to their cost. Like they're still. Making very very healthy margins. I know. I, I think where was it? Uh, I know Northern Star was mining. This is 
2017, but Northern Star was mining gold at like uh, 900 US, uh, yeah, US ounce, and this would now that and they were mining it for that much, and they were selling it for 1800. Yeah, so I remember we did a lot of analysis coming out of earnings season, looking at all those reports, mm-hmm. and I, I think most of the gold miners now are somewhere between 950 and 1050. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's still pretty healthy margins, especially when it peaked up at two. Well, yeah, like like that's that's such good margin, and it's still looking quite good. The main catalyst is this week, the BOJ and a lot of that economic data. So, but if you've got if you're mining it for nineteen, well, if you're mining it for one thousand, let's just say, and it's selling for four thousand, that has got to be the most profitable business ever. Yeah, and I, I think at this point in time, whether you're looking short, medium, long term, the gold space I think looks quite attractive. Mm-hmm. I think if you look at the technical side of that chart, the trend that it's forming looks very positive. A lot of what Brokers are saying we're getting upgrades, as you said, Goldman, ANZ, like reasonable upgrades to, I guess, a reasonable price, and then they're getting big, big upgrades for the price of gold. Mm. If you look at the macro environment, mm. like we've been talking about this week, you know, it's in a, a traditional inflation hedge, recession hedge. Uh, if you look at what's happening around the globe with China reopening up, we've seen expected increased demand there. So we've had a very broad-based commodities rally. So I think across from that, if you look at the dollar index, US dollar, it looks to be forming a downward trend. <laughs> That's all. La- so, so I mean, so, I mean, we've sort of got a bit of a, a, a melting pot of good news when it comes to gold. You've got obviously inflation and recessionary fears plaguing the planet, and that's obviously good because hedge uh, gold is seen as a bit of a hedge against both of those. You have China reopening up, big big supply and big demand of gold. Then you've got the a softer US dollar pushing it up. They're inversely co- um, correlated, and then of course the other thing is you've got that war over in Ukraine exactly and Russia. Right. And if people, like, I guess, to understand the inverse relationship between gold and the US dollar, our viewers go over look at the chart of the US dollar index and the chart of gold. They are literally almost oh, if just you flip, flip it on its head, yeah, like it's. Um, and if you look at the trend the dollar index was forming, the US dollar, like it doesn't look very good. Mm. It's really, really struggling to push higher, um, and I think it's. We're at a point now where a lot of the really, really hawkish side of central banks seems to have sort of come out and been priced in, which means from here, although there could be the message coming, which I've already heard, that interest rates might be a little bit higher for a little bit longer, the fact that that's already priced in, what the main movement from here now, whether it's middle or the end of next year, is going to be you know, monetary loosening. So it's mm-hmm. quite quantitative easing. So well, let, let's, go on to another, let's go on to another thing now. Uh, instead of talking about oil, what I want to do is talk about something that's happened, which is always quite comical. Sam Bankman-Fried. Always a topical topic to talk about. This guy is now out of jail. Uh, last time we spoke to you, last time we spoke to our viewers, we spoke about how he was locked in a jail cell in the Bahamas. He has now got out of there. He has now been extradited to the US, Correct. where he has been granted bail, which is something he didn't get in the Bahamas, and Correct. that bail came at a cost of two hundred and thirty million. Two fifty million. Two fifty million US. I didn't read which deep he into said. The article. He said he was on his last hundred thousand. That's <laughs> what I find very interesting. But the, what I need to read into the details about is it said it was a two hundred and fifty million dollar bond. So, where the funds are, who it's coming from, how the setup of that works, and what the outcome is, if he does go to prison and whatever, I don't know. But yeah, two hundred and fifty million dollar bond. He's Going to live with his parents in California. I, thought his, I also heard that his parents sold their home to go let him... To, to Probably the one in the bond. Bahamas that he was using FTX yeah. funds to Probably. buy. But I've also, I read a little bit in the article. He's got to wear a bracelet to track where he is at all times and he's not allowed to leave the district that his parents live in in North California. So he is still under control, I guess, but... That'd be an awkward conversation with your parents. Just be like, yeah, sorry, Mum, I messed up. Like, yeah, it would be very. I wouldn't be going home if that was me. Yeah. Tell you, my mum would, my <laughs> would not clip around the air from yeah. both my, my mum as well. <laughs> yeah, like I, I think what this really highlights the news that's coming is if if 
he doesn't go to prison for a very long time. There was a lot of there's problems with the world, like, and they're setting themselves up for this now. Now I said this this morning, the US is now setting themselves up for it. They've done the trial. They've opened precedent. They're now if they don't charge him with something, and if you look at what's coming out, it's it's like records. It's like the record drop of wealth in one day. It's like the record the, bail. All these people that are coming out and doing the liquidation, they're like they've never seen anything like it. Record bail figure in the US. It's like if he doesn't go to prison, what's wrong? Like. Uh, he He's looked pretty sick coming out of prison, mate. I saw him coming out of that Bahamas thing. He, he did not look happy. He did not I, look if like I was happy. him too, I'd be doing pretty pretty poorly. <laughs> but I, what we saw this morning as well, his girlfriend or whatever, what's her name? Caroline Ellison. Ellison. Ex-girlfriend, I think you'll find. But yep. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's being, pleaded guilty. She's pleaded guilty, but she's cooperating with the investigation. She faces up to 111 years, 111 years in prison. So crazy. The outcome, I think, will be very interesting because her, Gary Wang, and... Sam obviously all on trial. Now the outcome for them will all be very different, I think. And I think well, a big I was part of listening to it. Sam's been feeding back pockets yeah. of those in yeah. power in the US. So the outcome, I think, will be interesting. Will be very, very uh, something that I'm going to keep up to date with that trial because of the outcome, some of the comments which I would love to read moving forward through those trials will be very, very interesting. It's interesting. There's a, a great podcast out there by a guy called Coffeezilla. And he's, he uh, he's, he's very, very he's very good. And he's he, very on top he, of it too. Like. And he doesn't he well, he, t- he claims that he's not a, a podcast show. He's not like a podcast guy like Joe Rogan who just does podcasts or, or whatever or, or the Melt Boys or whatever. They just do podcasts entertainment. He said he is an investigative journalist. So he actually goes out there to try and find out facts and actually interview people. He interviewed Sam. Then he's been interviewed on I think the Lex Friedman podcast as well. And he said the big problem is everybody's trying to pin it on these three people. Um, Caroline Ellison, this Jerry Wang dude, and uh, and Sam. He says, but you don't understand. There's probably another thirty people underneath it that they're all new, or like at least yeah, ten people that all knew. But and they all played a big hand in it. At the end of the day, the SEC wants the big dogs, yeah. so they'll always. And that's the funny thing is, there's probably other people at FTX that could be cooperating mm. with the investigation. Yes, of course. But you just never know. So because usually what happens is the SEC will go to the the underlings and say, we're going to sentence, we're going to get you charged on this, and this is what the outcome will be. But if you give us the big dogs, then you will do, we'll do your deal and you'll get away. But mm. I, I think this has been, at this point in time, one of the most incredible stories of this year. Very, very interesting. Very controversial. And I think moving forward, it's uh, only going to get a bit more spicy. Yeah. Maybe what we could do is go to a chart of oil and we can start looking at uh, how oil is being pro- doing. Because, I mean, is that up? Is that down? Let's go to the chart. Yeah, so right oil's now. actually had quite a positive week. Oil was up nearly 5% for the week. If you look at the broader trend of oil at the moment, it's not overly positive. But uh, this week, a broadly positive week for oil. A um, couple of reasons for that. We've seen U.S. inventories fell more than anticipated, uh, but also, again, similar to equities, trading volumes sank to lowest levels since May, with many participants already gone for the holidays. So low levels of liquidity, low volumes, and some positive news for oil really drove quite a positive week if you look there. So I think um, definitely some, some gains to be had this week in the oil space. And I think at the moment, a lot of the news, similar to the economic data we're getting out of the U.S., is very conflicting with oil, which is why it's Really trying to buck that trend. You can see it did break its previous high there. So it is really trying to change that trend that it's formed. But, um, yeah, if that's going to continue into the new year, it's something we'll have to wait and see on, on new I, data coming out. I was speaking to someone the other day, and they're like, oh, what's the price of oil done? Because my petrol price is still ho- so high. It must be really high. And I'm like, well, the price of oil has been going down a lot. Like, it's a, a lot. good short. It's almost not correlated, really. Yeah, it? and everyone says, oh, my oil, my oil how, that can't be right. It's all a scam because my... Um, my petrol's not getting cheaper. And I said, yes, but you've got to remember, they buy petrol in bulk and they buy it at a certain price. Then they need to sell it at that certain price before they can bring it back down again. So it's almost like, 
And it's almost, but, and then someone picked this up, and there's a conspiracy theory for you. Someone picked it up, and they said, yeah, but as soon as oil starts going up, immediately the price of oil goes up. Yes, yeah, so they use it to like their price benefit. Of goes they up, use it sorry. to their benefit, but they'll never let it affect them in a detrimental manner. It's so always, it works. it's very, very interesting. I think it's, a, it's, it's an interesting kind of thing to see how it's causing uh, correlation, etc. etc. Are you a buy? Uh, do you think oil is going to come back? Do you think it's a. Uh, Look, I'm not a. Depends what sort of investor you are. I don't think I'd be looking at oil as a short, medium term investor. If you're very, very short term, there's always going to be positions to take. If you're looking on an intraday level, there's always going to be. Scary when it was 30 bucks, eh? Back in 2020. Very, very scary. I think even yeah, the last two years, it's been. A, you look at the long term. What is it now? What, what would you say now? It is 80. We're, be- we're between 75 and 80 bucks. So we're sort of hovering around. It's, been it's a big return for two years. It <laughs> is. Big, well, I mean, we're up at nearly 130 at one point. Yeah, so, um, uh, unbelievable. It's uh, been a very interesting year, but I think. Moving forward, it's, it's with regards to a- anything, if you look at commodities, you're looking at central banks, interest rates, anything, the economic data we get fresh in the new year, especially late January, because we're going to have a month off with a lot of what's going on because of the festive period, etc. So once we reconvene and get a lot of economic data, we should start to get a good path of interest rates and in the economy, commodities, equities, etc., which I think will be a, a lot of things that people are looking for. Very informative and, as always, very astute. Mr. By the Dip, Dan, how high are you going to go, Howie? We'll go back to ourselves watching us from home. That's commodities and currencies in the events that have shaped them. Now, are you a bull or a bear? Let us know. one 800 Our phone lines are now open. But for now, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we'll take a look what the best and worst performers in Australia were this week. Let's move on to our next section now and take a look what the best and worst performers for the week were. Were there tears shed this week? Who lost money? And who has Christmas come one day early for? Let's go straight over to yourself, Mr. Buy the Dip Dan. How are I going to go, Howie? Mr. Dan, Howie, what's going high? What's going low? What are we buying? What's on a dip? And what's going higher? Yes, yeah, so a fair bit dipping this week, actually. We'll pull up the chart, one of my favourite parts of the week, as always. You Highlight can see of your week, really, isn't it? It is. It's beautiful. It's uh, you know, central, Exciting time. It's one of the exciting times of the week or the month. You know, the Central bank movement's always good, but this chart is really the joy to budget, my week. Do you, have, do you still have budget parties? Always or? have a budget party. Always have a budget party. Why wouldn't you? You know, it's... Uh, yeah. Excuse to... Yeah. Yeah, exactly uh, right. Now, <laughs> let's have a look at this chart. You can see the big... Set, what you can really draw from that chart there is the, the risk-off sentiment this week. You can see information technology getting shredded consumer discretionary, uh, really sort of taking a beating this week. But most sectors ending in the red. The big shining light this week has been utilities. Utilities day in, day out was performing very, very well, up 2.3%. Energy up 1%. We saw this week uh, oil 
and coal did quite well. Our coal miners did very, very well for the week, and our oil producers as well off the back of that rebound in the oil price. So utilities and energy is the only sector up. A lot of broad-based losses this week, but, yeah, a lot of the uh, more rate-sensitive and recession-fear-sensitive sectors really sort of taking the, the brunt of it this week, uh, information technology and consumer discretionary. Very, very good. Uh, listen, I wanted to chat about the energy sector. Do you think that is a space that you can get involved with? Oil, maybe not looking like it's going to rebound, but a bit softer, short to medium, very short to medium term. We think it could do quite well. What are your thoughts on the energy sector? Because they're talking about this gas bill, talking a lot about the, I suppose, here in Australia, all these different things. Yeah, and increasing the tax on coal as well. I think getting involved now, I think, is, is a bit a, late, a little bit risky. They're all sitting very elevated. Like, they're all up quite considerably this year. They've been some of the best performers this year. If you look at Whitehaven Coal, New Hope Corporation, uh, Woodside Energy, Strike Energy, things like that, they've all done very well. So it's, is it time to get in now? I actually really don't know. I think at the moment the underlying commodity prices don't look that good. But if you look at Whitehaven Coal and New Hope in comparison to Newcastle Coal Futures, the price of coal here in Australia, they we saw coal go from 400 down to below 250 actually in the last two months. Ooh. And they didn't actually retract that far. They had mm. a little bit of... It's, a blip in their trend, but they've pushed back up. Whitehaven's nearly back up at 11. It's like the old petrol price that I was just Exactly discussing. right. <laughs> Whitehaven's nearly back up 11 bucks. So I think buying Whitehaven above $10 right now is probably... Bet on the risk side. A bit on the risk side. I think that it's not that I don't like potential upside there compared to other sectors. I think just the downside risk is quite high, um, especially if you're looking to hold a little bit longer term. I think at this point in time, the big thing is going to be, um, for myself, I, think, I, I don't think I'm going to put a a strict buy on any sector at this point in time. I think for me right now, it's we're about to close out the year. We need some fresh data in the new year because we're still getting so many conflicting signals to really get an indication of what's going to happen with the broader macro landscape and then start to look at what sectors may perform well moving into the new year. Let's go down on an individual stock because I want to talk about something that's really plunged this week and that is John's Link Group. Correct. Um, talk us through what's happened there. And then we've got a chart as well. We will. So I'll bring up a chart as I go through my analysis here. Not an analysis, it's an explanation. You can see a very, very big drop there. <coughs> that was 15% in 15% a day. 15% yeah? in a day. People are going, what's going on? What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. Now, that is because the COO of John's Ling Group, his name is Lindsay Barber, he sold 4 million shares. So a lot of people are going, $4 million. No, no, no. 4 million shares of John's Ling at the market price on... Tuesday, which was about $6.80. $6.80. Do the maths. It's about $27 million bucks worth of shares he's just dumped onto the market. So 15% decline. You can see it's basically the catalyst to switch the trend there. It was looking quite good, um, but that's really sort of caused it to drop back down. It's so interesting. Um, I mean, obviously, on the one hand, every CEO, COO of any company in the world, including Elon Musk, including this bloke here, they are people. People have bills to pay, people have portfolios to diversify and everything like that. But it's so weird that he would sell shares in the company that he is the chief operating officer. And it's so weird that he had that many shares to well, sell. Well, that's, that's only 31% of his stake in the company. Wow. So he he has he must have about 12 million shares of John's Ling Group. So, so how much is that? 12 million times six bucks is a that, lot. Yeah, it's probably sitting somewhere in the 70 million odd. Wow. That's and he's insane. just dumped about 27 of them. So that's what we saw there with John's Ling. Uh, pretty interesting week across the board, though. It's like it's, uh, the performance of, of a sector this week was definitely lots of ups Still doesn't downs. bode very well, though, because if it goes up another 5%, he makes an extra 5% on the top end. Of it, clearly, he doesn't think he's going to do that. 
Yeah, I mean, it's uh, if you look at the comments, they're always very cryptic with this stuff. A lot of people are never going to tell you exactly why. The, the statement released by the company was the needs to diversify his personal investments. See, I don't buy that. I because, don't really buy it Because last year... He also had $70 million worth of the shares. Do you know what I mean? And he was probably a little bit under-diversified then. So it's like, why have you suddenly woken up now and thought, oh, I'll go into diversification. I've suddenly done my CFA and I, I wanted to go hard <laughs> D into I've this learnt, whole... I've learned portfolio theory. Uh, the, 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 portfolio theory, I'm going, I'm going uh, 40% bonds, 20% equities or whatever it is, 20% equities, 40% bonds, whatever it is. Yeah, it's... And, um, um, look, not the most positive week, but I think, yeah, that's not a good signal for the business, not a good signal from the business. And I think if you look at the technical side of things... The trend that's forming there also doesn't look overly positive. Well, I mean, the other one that's been doing that is, of course, Elon Musk. Let's touch on him. He has had a Twitter poll that has come out, and he has decided that he wants to step down as chief twit. He does. I saw Mr. Beast, which is one of the, he's probably the most popular, I think he's the most popular YouTuber now. Correct, yeah. He tweeted saying, can I be the next CEO of Twitter? And Elon responded and said, it's not out of the question. So... He's he's a pretty... Well, Friedman, who's actually a very good friend of... Of Elon, has been on a couple of uh, Elon's shows. Uh, sorry, he's been Elon's been on a couple of his shows. Has also said, "I'll do it for free. I'll manage." And 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 uh, Lex actually comes from a coding background, so you know he's already put his hand up and said, "I'll do it." Yeah, it's quite interesting. I mean, the other thing for Elon is he's dumped so many Tesla shares in the last twelve months. It's cra- I don't know the exact figure in, in US dollars, but it's a huge amount. And Tesla's now Tesla's now below one hundred and thirty US dollars. That's crazy. Like, if it drops know. below one hundred, it's all over. Um, well, if you look at the long term, what was it at totally? What was it at the high three hundred? High three hundred, yeah, yeah. which is, I don't, I don't know when, but I think at some point in the next six months there could be a very good deal to be had on Tesla. I don't know if it's too early. I don't know if we're still trying to catch a falling knife, mm-hmm. but I think there. If you look at the company, you look at its its status around the world, like and speculation for the future. Yeah, but it's definitely everyone, something that I think could could be caught at a discount. Whether it's now, whether it's in four months' time, you get it below hundred bucks US. Be a better deal. You, I mean, you're very famous for saying that I, I drive a te- I drive a Tesla, and that is true. I do drive a Tesla, and quite often people say, "Oh, look, there's so many Teslas around." And I'm like, "Yeah, but are there? Are there really? Let's go down the road, and we'll pass a hundred cars. Sometimes you don't see one Tesla, of course. Let alone I so that means like one percent. If you compare it to five years ago, though, there's huge. Oh, yeah. But oh, then, then, but then look, if you do that, go by that logic, in five years' time, there'll be more, a lot yeah. more, which yeah. is like that. That's what I mean with the outlook. Sometimes. I mean, yep. you go down the road and you see how many Toyotas are there. It's like, mate, one in every five is a Toyota. There's got to be something. So it's like it's not like that. It's not like we're seeing one in every five cars being a Tesla or an electric vehicle. So it's sort of, you know, the capacity is certainly there. But I believe wholeheartedly that um, the people that are voting on that twi- on that Twitter thing, his Twitter poll for him to step down as the, the chief Twitter or the CEO of Twitter, a lot of them have got to be Tesla owners. Tesla shareholder, I think so because the, they're like, well, his focus is turned away from the business, which is probably part of why it's had a downturn. Like it, it hit a two-year low overnight; mm. it was down nine percent. Mm. Now, for a company that size to drop nine percent in a session is huge. So, and, and, and most people, like most people, to be fair with you, if you bought uh, a Tesla vehicle or you own share, sorry, if you own shares in Tesla, there's a fairly strong chance that you probably also own uh, a, a Twitter account. You probably voted. Of course, said, go. You know what? Yeah, step down. Go back to my company. Yeah, mate, I think so. Do good I, I think. Yeah, he's it's been a he's always been an interesting character, very I guess um, you know, out there. Mm-hmm. But I, I fully believe in Elon Musk as a person and, and the, the ventures that he's putting across the market, like SpaceX. I think Tesla. I think long term they will do quite well. I spoke it's to personal s- opinion, but yeah. I think yeah. I think if if Tesla went below a hundred bucks, I think I'd happily personally put some money into Pers- Tesla myself. Uh, I think uh, a lot of I've spoke to a person um, and he said. 
the most profitable business that guy is going to have is SpaceX, which is his non-listed company. Okay, and it's obviously SpaceX is because if you control space, you control everything that's. If that going. was to become listed, I would I would be looking at that as. And and uh, and he said everyone thinks they've got real power. Everyone's like, yeah, I've got real power, or I've got money, and that's power, or whatever, and stuff like that. The Russia invaded Ukraine. Elon Musk said, I'll just divert one of my satellites over to be able to provide some sort of communication aid or something like that. Now, that is true power. Like, that is probably, yeah. like, divert a satellite. The level, you're right. The level of what people think power is and what power actually is, like, even at $300 billion or $200 billion, the level of power he has across the world is actually still quite minimal compared to, you look at the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, yeah. the yeah. Saudi. Like, you've got to be in the trillions and trillions and trillions because they, contr- they almost control what's going on across the board mm. with what's taught in schools, what people are reading on media, listening to on the news. Like, the control from the very, very top is... It, most people are oblivious to it, but it's it's so, cal- I don't know, it's so y- calculated, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know if you ever could do it, but let's just say Warren Buffett. Now, I think that man, being in the financial services space, just like myself, obviously I, I'm, I'm aware of what he does to a certain extent. He doesn't go online saying he's going to do this or anything like that, but imagine if he bought a stock... And then he just hired a media company and just started pumping that stock and talking about how he was buying and how he liked it. Mate, that thing would shoot up so quickly. You'd see the biggest... I mean, imagine if he went on and started talking about how Warren Buffett, Berkshire Hathaway, was actually personally buying Bitcoin. What do you think would happen to the price of Bitcoin? Yeah. Like, exactly. Right. everyone is It's easy to get hype, and that's why I think it, a lot of people see... And that's probably, why, that's probably why Elon bought Twitter, to a certain extent. Yeah, it's, a, it's 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 very interesting to follow prominent figures like that, especially someone like Elon, where he's a little bit controversial. Mm. But that's um, yeah, I think at the moment it's been a, a, a pretty tough year. I think a lot of portfolios are bleeding. Maybe next year, yep. sometime when we do start to see a pivot, I think the outlook for a business like Tesla, as I said, at any price, if you start to buy it now and just start to average in, like it, I think um, couldn't wouldn't be a bad bet in my opinion. Great analysis as always, Mister Howie. So. That's the best and the worst for the week, and that's the events that shaped them. For now, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to go to the final section of the show. How do you get the highest returns in the stock market on a consistent basis? Obsessed with this idea, Michael Kadari forms COSEC, Kadari Securities. He seeks, in his own words, a revolutionary investment strategy based on better information and knowledge. Wealth begins with better knowledge, becomes his motto. He seeks to identify and accurately pick the next top performing stocks on the ASX. He seeks for consistency. Michael Kadari creates a unique stock market filtering system he names Lotus Bloom, named after a flower that blooms just once. Because in investing, timing, is everything. See how accurate COSEC stock picks are. Get a free seven day access to Lotus Blue today. If you want the COSEC investment edge, you know what you have to do. Call COSEC now or visit COSEC.com.au and take advantage of the insights he reserves for his clients. Welcome back. Now, do you have a stock that you think is looking good? Do you think you could have found the next big thing? Why not take a video, email it through to us at info at cosec.com.au or send us a text to 0422-972-897. Tell us what the stock is. 
Tell us why you like it. We're going to track it over the week. And the person that tips the best performing stock received their very own gold-plated Kadari bull and bear cufflinks. Those are yours coming right away. A very good early Christmas gift for yourself if you send us a message. To get things started, let's take a look at what our investment panel is looking at for the week to come. This is this week's Hot Opportunity. So this is what investors are really looking for. We know what gold, oil, and the dollar has done. We know what the top performers of the week were. Now, let's find out what our investment panel is looking at for the week to come. And to do that, we're going to go to Mr. Buy the Dip, Dan Howie. How can it go, Howie? Mr. Dan Howie, how are we doing? What are we looking at this week? And why do you like it so much for the week to come? Yeah, well, I'll uh, try and get through this quite quickly. I'm well aware it's, it is a Friday afternoon and it is Christmas Eve Eve. So let's rip through this one. I've sort of been funneling my way into this opportunity throughout the show, talking about the space that it is in. And it's called Evolution Mining Limited. Their ticket code is EVN. They are an Australian gold mining company, I believe. They're evolving quite well as uh, being we quite go. a prominent there part. Is. Yep. There is the, the drums. Anyway, uh, anyway, I think uh, they're the third biggest gold miner by production. And they have five owned and operated mines, wholly owned and operated, in Queensland and Western Australia. Are now, they expanding those mines or evolving the productions of those mines? I'm just going to skip over that one. Okay. As I said, with the macroeconomic side of things, we discussed it with the gold space at the moment. There are so many tailwinds for gold, um, with not... I guess the first of which is we saw central banks this month slow down the pace at which they're increasing interest rates. The, the trend that that's forming in the US dollar, it looks to be downward. The inverse relationship yeah, with gold is very positive. The dollar is sort of digging itself a hole right now. So It is. China opening up is something you mentioned before. You also talked about recession fears, inflation fears. So at the moment, all those combined with the price targets from the biggest brokers, like it's it's almost like there's very minimal headwinds for gold right now. It's an now. evolving narrative, isn't it, really? It is. It's just unvol- evolving more every day, day in, day out. Now let's go to the financial side of things. Very positive business. Last five years, their sales are up 25%, earnings up 70%, and their operating margin and return on equity are also steadily increasing through the very same period. Very positive. Both Morgans and Morgan Stanley have a price target for the business above their current trading price with an overweight and an ad recommendation. And lastly, we will look at the chart of Evolution Mining, which, as you can see there, does look quite positive. It's formed a very nice upward trend in recent weeks, made consecutive high lows and high highs. Almost looks quite textbook, uh, that trend that's formed recently. Wednesday, very nice bullish candlestick, pushed above the 200-day moving average, hit the top donch and pushed it higher. It has retraced the last two sessions, but if you look at that very nice green hammer candlestick today, it tried to fall below the simple moving average, rejected the lower price, pushed back up. So it does look very good. On the 12-month time frame, we're still about 35% from the all-time high on that 12-month time frame. So the trend looks very good. The broader time frame, it's still quite low. The macroeconomic environment seems to very much suit gold. Not just coming from myself, but as I said, all those big brokers as well really like the gold space right now. And also, it's uh, very, very low on its all-time high. Its actual all-time high was back in uh, 2020. It was $6.50, so it's about 115% off its all-time high. 12-month high, it's, uh, it's about 35 as you so said, but it's certainly got a long way to run. It is, it's certainly got a long way to evolve. Exactly Thank right. you very much, Mr. Howie, as always. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you all very much for tuning in this week. On behalf of everyone here at the show, we want to wish our friends, clients, and colleagues a safe and happy weekend, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Merry Christmas and a very happy new year. My name is Will Brownlee, and this has been The Cosex Show.